Welcome to Graduating Grief, a podcast designed to help you step back into living your life with joy after loss. If you're ready to move from surviving to thriving, you've come to the right place. Here's your host and inspirationista, Sherry Dunlevy. Sometimes when we are in grief, we need to talk about grief. And more importantly, when we're not in grief, we need to talk about grief. That way it becomes more comfortable when we're trying to support someone or when we're going through this journey ourselves, And this is why I'm so glad to have uh, my guest today, Anne DeBute, on because um, not only is she uh, someone who counsels people on grief, but she is also a partner of mine on Clubhouse where we talk about grief and graduating grief every Thursday at noon Eastern time. So Anne, I'm so delighted that you have joined me today. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much. I can't believe we, we, we're doing this. This is fabulous. Thank you. Oh, you're, you're so welcome. So I said that um, you're a counselor and coach, and this is something that what I'm finding is it's very hard to find people that specialize in this. How did you come to this profession? Because this isn't what you um, originally started out with as your profession, is it? It certainly isn't, Sherry. It's, uh, I'll, I'll try and give you a brief explanation. <laughs> um, I am a British trained nurse, as you can, obviously the accent gives me away. And I decided that I was leaving Britain, my family, my friends, and moving to Canada, where I now reside, because I was going through a divorce. And I thought at the tender age of 25 that that's what one did. We don't go into the emotions. We just pack them all up and we leave them behind and we go to a new place and start afresh. Little did I know that it was that easy. Anyway, um, I did not decide to go in and continue my nursing when I came to Canada because I didn't like the 12 hour shifts. Mm. So I combined my talents and ended up always working in the hospital environment. But for the physicians, I ran uh, two divisions before I retired. And it would take the death of my dad to make me realize that I no longer liked my job anymore. It was not giving me the, the same satisfaction. It also allowed me to see that I had bought into a belief of his. He was Scottish, bless his heart. If anybody knows, Scots can be a bit thrifty with their pennies. So he taught me very early on, you get good grades, you get a good job, you get a, a job with a good pension, lass, and you stay there until you, you retire. Mm -hmm. Not wanting to disappoint dad, I didn't want to leave that job that was no longer, um, I was no longer, exactly, I was no longer engaged in it. So when I heard that they were looking for early retirement, I put up my, my hand and I took early retirement. Four days later, after I retired, sitting there with my coffee, I've no idea how this ad found me because I wasn't actively searching the Grief Coach Academy and Aurora Winter. And I looked at it 
And I went, that's what I want to do. I, I knew nothing about this Grief Coach Academy. But I, I, there was just something about it. I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I contacted her. I enrolled in the program. And it's in California. I'm here in Canada. And that's okay. We could do it online. But I would have to travel to California for several workshops. I mean, that's such a hardship, isn't it? <laughs> And uh, I did that. I became a grief coach. I can't call myself a counselor because I don't have the social work or the therapy no. background. I just have my, That's my mistake. Yes, that's OK. I have the scientific background that helps me out in in my coaching. So. So what is it that. requires grief maybe to have their own coach and and the reason i know the reason why but i think that maybe a lot of our listeners might not and why i think it's very important for people to find people who specialize in grief absolutely i couldn't agree more although um, the majority of people prefer to go it alone they believe it's normal which it is and why would they need to seek help? Time will heal, they'll get over it. There's an, a couple of reasons why. People in grief need to share their story. They need to have their grief witnessed in a way that a trained coach or a counselor is trained to do. And that's those deep listening skills. How many of us truly have been listened to deeply? We're always listening to respond. And that kind of takes you out of that energy of, of just being with somebody, witnessing their story, validating and sharing back what you have heard. That in itself is very, very healing. A lot of people in grief believe their family or friends will be there for them. And that probably is not the case. Family has their own grief to deal with. Grief is very personal and you're hurting and you really need your own people. Friends just want you back. They want the old Sherry. They want the old Anne back. They don't want this person that you are in this moment. So that they're hurrying you through it. Aren't you over your grief? You know, it's, it's been three months. It's been six months. Oh, just get over it. But that's not, not the case. So friends aren't necessarily the best ones. A good friend, somebody that is willing to sit there and listen to your story time and time again. They are worth their weight. If you have a good friend, then grab them and, uh, and work through your grief with a, with a good friend. But a lot of friends just unable to hold the capacity. Grief is heavy, heavy work. And the emotional component, not many people can actually be with somebody who is emoting, who is crying. Friends or colleagues at work possibly don't know how to be with you 
So they're going to avoid you. All of a sudden, you're feeling alone, you're feeling isolated, and you're grieving. It really does help to have a support group, to have a coach, or even a therapist that specializes in grief or has had the experience and yes. understands what grief is. Book learning is fabulous. However, it's the experience that helps you have that empathy and the compassion for, for your client. Right. Now you're an author and I'm an author as well. And books are great, but I can tell you uh, going through a, a new grief journey myself, um, the concentrating on reading a book is also for most people is next to impossible in early grief. So yeah. books really can't even help you because you can't even read them because you can't, you read the same sentence over and over <laughs> and over again, or you, you've read a whole chapter and you don't remember one single thing that you read, you can't retain. So, um, but there's a couple of things I want to circle back on that you mentioned the story Yes, it's important for us to tell our story. It's important for someone to witness that story, for someone to be with us as we tell that story. For, because I think that through telling the story, through getting it out, suddenly there's this process that through the telling of the story, we're able to process our next steps. We're able to process a lot of this that comes through telling the story, maybe repeatedly, okay? But where does it come to a point where we become, the story becomes our identity? There's a danger of that happening too, correct? Oh, absolutely. I believe if you're still telling the story six months to a year after the, the death or loss, then you really do. You've, you've moved into what we would term complicated grief. And there's more going on than just the death of that person. Right. And that's why a, a trained therapist at that point would be worth seeking out. And that is something that I would advise if somebody came right. to coach mm -hmm. with me, if, if that was their experience. The next thing I wanted to touch on something that you mentioned is you said the heavy work of grieving. Um, time does not heal all wounds. Time and hard work does. And yeah. that is, I think, something that stops a lot of people in progressing through their grief is because it's gut-wrenching, emotional, hard work. You have to go there. You have Absolutely. to go there. Yeah, there's no, there's no uh, skirting around it. You've got to go through it. And I think a lot of people are frightened of their emotions and they, they don't want to feel that pain. That pain and their emotions are scary places to be. So they're going to do anything to avoid it rather than sit with that emotion. And if they could just sit with it, they would recognize after a while that emotion will go. It'll come and it'll go just as quickly. But because you're putting it off and putting it off, it's going to go underground. It will find a way when you're least able to cope with it to come out. 
right? And it might not come out in a way that you think that it'll come out. It might not come out in uh, uh, an emotional breakdown. It might come out in the way for me was uh, I blew a disc out in my back. It might come out in a a heart attack. It might come out in, you know, it might come out physically. Yes. But it's got, it's it's got, you, you cannot, this is not a container. It has to come out somehow. (laughs) And if it doesn't come out now on this loss, it'll come out, you'll carry it on and it'll come out in future losses or it'll come out in anger. And something driving on the freeway may trigger you. And all of a sudden you lose it. You become this rage. Right. And that's grief trying to get your attention, probably. Absolutely. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about the anger, because one of the things that I think happens with the anger is that a lot of people... um, truly are more comfortable with some with an angry person than a grieving person or a sad person an angry person you can be defensive or get angry back but a grieving person you just freeze because you don't know what to do with that person right and i'm finding that in my um current grief journey that i just don't i don't want to bring it up to people like even if people ask me what's new or what's going on i don't want i don't want to bring it up because i don't want to bring them down mm, interesting what's wrong with just having a darn good cry together well but i mean sometimes it's you know you're at a restaurant and you see your favorite waitress you know or something like that i just just don't want to do that oh <laughs> Not at not out in public. I don't know. It's just it's just funny. I'm I'm very cognizant of what other people are thinking. And I remember when I lost my son, same thing happened. Yeah. Is that I thought someone would say, Well, how's your baby doing? Mm. And I would say, and I would just think, Oh, I am about to ruin your day because I'm going to tell you that my baby died and then you are going to be flogging yourself all day. Why did I say something? Why did I open my mouth? You should have shut up. You shouldn't have said anything. And, and so, you know, I've just felt bad that I'd have to tell them because I knew then they would feel bad for mentioning it to me. Isn't that odd? It is. We're so um, aware of, of judgments and, of other people and their thoughts but what a lovely teaching moment it would have been thank you for asking this is what's happened um i appreciate you just listening to me you don't feel bad you weren't to know is all people need to say in those moments and that is part of the mask that we grievers put on don't come near me don't touch me because if you do i'm just going to be a puddle on the floor and i've got to maintain this this persona yeah or you know this control and maybe it is a control thing because you haven't been able to control anything up until now and this might be one thing you think you can control Uh, that you've probably hit the nail on the head sherry with the control because that is something that a death or any loss will make you realize very quickly you're not in control 
and you will perhaps seek to do a behavior that gives you that control. So that very well could be one. I think one of the reasons that Anne, you and I connect so well is because we share the belief that people can quote unquote, graduate from their grief. They can step out of their pain and they can step into loving their life again, uh, living on purpose and living with passion and living with joy, which seems like an early grief, an impossibility. Mm-hmm. We know that to be true. Um, we've lived it, we've experienced it. And um, I would like to know when how you coach people through this at the beginning stages of grief so that they at least have that glimmer of hope that maybe just maybe what she's saying is true yeah when a person comes to me for the very first uh, what i call a discovery call to see they may not have experienced coaching so i'll always get on the phone with them just to Hey, imagine I've waved a magic wand and this is a year, two years down the road. You're no longer in this pain or in this grief. What do you see your life? What would you like your life to be like? And it's so interesting, even though they're grieving, they can tell me, well, I would like to get remarried. I would like to travel. I would like to change jobs. They know what their life. So I call it finding their North Star. So when I'm taking them through the throes of their grief, because we go deep into it, I will always end the session. You're getting much closer to what I call, they know what their North Star is. I've, I've languaged it for them you're getting closer to that. Yes, it was hard, but congratulate yourself. You've done the hard work. And that is like their beacon. They have that hope. They have something to aim for. Yes, and and it is possible. Um, And that's what I want people to know. There's just, there's, there's a danger to getting caught in your story. There's a danger in finding a support group that perpetuates that story and keeps you locked into that story. So I think that is part of the reason why I do the graduating grief is that I want to encourage a community and encourage other people to say, listen, this is your story now, but it is not your forever. And I want them to feel support and understanding from people who've been in that journey, but also the encouragement of you're doing great. You're doing fine. Like you're saying, you're closer to your North Star and we fall. It doesn't mean that we're immune to ever feeling pain again. It doesn't mean, but it just means that we can get back up and we still know what direction we can travel in. Absolutely. That there is that this pain that you're feeling in the moment isn't a forever pain. It will subside. And That was one of the things that took me on a really deep dive. When I was going through the loss of my dad, I sought help very early on. And the person that I sought told me that, okay, your grief is your grief. Okay, tick, I get that. Um, And that you'll never get over your grief. Well, having a nursing background and seeing the miracles (laughs) 
of the human body. I couldn't buy into that, Sherry. So it was like I almost had to go on this journey to, to discover that that was one of those myths around grief and loss. And I am happy to say I've found a number of psychologists who will tell you there is a sort of a timeline and third will go into this, third will be that, and the third will never get over it. And that's so sad for those because I'm sure if they were to get help, they could find the joy in their lives. They would be able to find their way out because so many people get stuck in that blame and the what ifs and the, it, as you say, their story, and they just keep cycling and cycling. And that can actually become an addiction. It attaches to the addiction center in the brain. And for some bizarre reason, they're getting pleasure. Yeah, yeah there's a payoff to it. Yeah. Which when you when you can when you expose that or present that to a person in that state, they get very angry. <laughs> of course, absolutely. It's almost like those support groups are fabulous, but always look for a support group with a beginning and an end date. Sort of a 6-10 week whatever. Support groups that have no end date. The person may be sitting there, they've made a lot of friends, they feel supported, and then they start to feel okay. Or perhaps I don't want to go to that group. But if I don't, if I'm not in my grief, I might lose my friends and I'm going to lose the support. So I'm just going to keep going and keep going. And they keep sort of grooving their story deeper and deeper um, in, into their, their minds and their brain. And that's what creates more suffering for them. So I always say support groups are great, but make sure it has a beginning and an ending. Yes. Um, well, the support group for graduating grief is a little bit different because it's focused more on the painting, the, the joy-filled picture of life. Yes. And when we fall, and there are times that all of us fall, the rest of the community lifts it's, us back up and encourages us back on the road, yeah. you know, and I love, I love, love, love that part because I want someone to tell me healing's possible, not your, this is your life sentence. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, that is absolutely beautiful. And a support group like that can be there for, for life. If you right. are supporting each other to find the joy and the full living in your lives. Absolutely. I'm talking more of the support groups that are around for the early grievers, right. the active grievers. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the same for anything that you go to support group with. I had, I did an interview with a woman who is a divorce coach mm -hmm. and she told me the first support group that she went to at her church, a woman was just railing. Like when they were telling their story, the woman was just railing on the injustices that her ex-husband. And so she went up to her after the meeting was over and she said, I'm so sorry that that happened. How long have you been divorced? And she said, 12 years. Uh, and she said, when I heard that, I never went back to another meeting because she said, I thought to myself, if I have to live like this for 12 years, I'll, I, I won't make it. 
exactly i was looking for support <laughs> and hope not a life sentence right right but i'm gonna feel this way oh gosh that would be off-putting for sure so yes be, i love that to be very careful and very selective in the kind of support but but to feel that i think it's very brave and very courageous to seek that help oh my goodness absolutely I volunteer for um, an organization here in Ottawa, and that's how I sort of start the, the meeting off is congratulating them. Because when we used to be able to meet in person, there'd be tales of them coming once or twice and sitting in the parking lot and never making it inside the building. So I tell this story just to sort of put people at, the, at their ease and to help them feel that they're doing something good for their lives. And they should be applauding themselves for showing up. So important. Yes. So let's talk a little bit um, before we go about our clubhouse conversations. Oh, my so goodness. People can understand what that is all about. So this is something that you and I have partnered in and um, are bringing to the table every Thursday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Why did you think it was important for this kind of conversation to take place? Sherry, you began this podcast by saying that when you are in grief is not the time to be learning about grief. And it's when you don't need it is when you should be or right. could be. Don't want you should. You could be educating yourself so that you know what to expect, you know the parameters. It's not necessarily going to save you from the pain, but you're not going to go into that overwhelm because you're going to understand it better. We decided to do that with join our podcast together, and it's the Let's Talk About Graduating Grief Clubhouse, isn't it? And uh, it's to help to, to, I guess, to normalize it, normalize grief. It's not something that needs to be talked about in hushed tones. You can't catch it. <laughs> it's, it's something that can actually help you grow as a person. There is such a thing as post-traumatic growth from your grief. And I think that's the energy we want to bring to our clubhouse, isn't it, Sherry? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just so delighted um, that that we have partnered together in doing this. So so tell us about so let's take the, the last few minutes of this. Um, let's talk about grief. That's the name of your podcast. Yes, it is. Um, and how can people get in touch with you, Anne? They can find me at understandinggrief.com. That's my website if they want a little bit more to understand coaching. And they can uh, find me on Spotify or Apple iTunes, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's one or two episodes get dropped every month, it would appear. And you can just decide which has more energy for you to listen to. Right. And thank you for spending time with me today. I appreciate it. You lending your, your expertise and your heart to, to our listeners today. Oh, Shari, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's lovely I get to be with you twice this week. Thank you for listening to the Graduating Grief Podcast. 
For more information on the graduating grief community, workshops, and retreats, go to www.sherrydunlevy.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share.